Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Your source for all things Detroit Red Wings and Chicago Blackhawks. With your hosts, Jordan Lundscott, Nicola Page, Kevin Musto, and David Barnhouse. You're listening to the Stick Lake Podcast. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to another edition of the Stick Blade Podcast. It is the Detroit Red Wings and Chicago Blackhawks Red Rivals Podcast. We follow all things Blackhawks, all things Wings, and just general news about the NHL. I'm your host, Jordan Linscott, and today I'm joined by my co-hosts, David Barnhouse and Nicola Page. On today's schedule, we're going to be talking about break-or-bust players for each organization, just players who really need to impress out of training camp this year. We're going to be talking about Mike Green possibly being healthy for Detroit. There's been issues in the past with him battling potential viruses. Uh, we're going to be talking about NHL Network, uh, in particular, a little something they did where they said that the Chicago will not be able to win another cup with Kane and Taves on the roster. Also, a top signing for them, uh, Philip Pullum, I believe, out of uh, Russia defenseman for them. Then we're also going to talk about Jesse Pugliarvi's problems in Edmonton. Rumors coming out that the problems with him weren't just strictly on a managerial level. And then we're going to wrap up the show talking about a 20 wingers list that the NHL put out. Just a couple names of note on the list. And just in terms of rankings, whether we think that the list was solid or not. So with that being said, we're going to go ahead and just jump right into the first topic. Um, As everybody knows... The season is fast approaching. We're going to have a couple more weeks, and then we'll officially be in the preseason. A lot of teams are starting their prospects slash development camps. And really, there are a couple players in each organization who kind of need to impress now rather than later because their windows to make a roster and really make a name for themselves in the NHL are starting to close. The first player that comes to mind for me in regards to the Red Wings is Evgeny Svechnikov. Um, for those who don't know, he had a really great year in Grand Rapids. He got called up to Detroit for a while, and then right at the beginning of the season, he had an injury that basically forced him to miss an entire year's worth of playing, which in the pro level, that's a pretty big amount of time to miss. I mean, that's essentially setting your career back an entire year. David, you're probably pretty familiar with this. Um, where would you say Svechnikov sits in terms of the has to make it? this year um i think it's pretty high um he was impressive for grand rapids but our forward depth is like the ability to make a forward line is shrinking and shrinking for many players and if he proves that he's not ready we have plenty of guys and like taro Harose and philip zanina who are going to take spots from him because i can't see him being a fourth line player he needs to be third line maybe second line and if he can't step it up, he's going to lose that spot. And the wings don't really have a ton of extra spots on the uh, wing for him. I mean, 
Tara Hirose was definitely an interesting surprise last year. I don't think anybody really expected him to step into his own that fast. And then, I mean, Philip Zedina is going to be knocking on the door this year for a roster spot as well. Mm-hmm. So that's two guys. And, I mean, it's not even like they could move somebody who's playing wing right now and then transition them to center to make room for him on the wing. I mean, the Red Wings roster, just their center depth is pretty much established. I mean, it's going to be... Larkin Nielsen, Phil Plott, and then Glenn Denning probably. So you can't pull anybody from the wing like Darren Helm, who's got time at center to open up a slot for him to readjust to the game. So I think Svechnikov, if he's going to earn a spot on this roster, he has to earn it right now. Yep. Who would you say he has, uh, I guess, competition for with that spot? The big name that comes to mind for me, obviously, is Philip Zadina. He's the only really scoring winger that I could really see trying to knock on the spot right now. I mean, he's got him. I think Mantha's spot is pretty much sealed. Anathasiu's spot's pretty much sealed if he's going to be playing on the wing. I think he's going to compete with Zadina, and I think Hirose, too. I think Hirose, like you said, was a surprise last year. I saw YouTube videos of him for Michigan State, and you can't judge anything on a YouTube video. I know being um, a soccer fan as well and seeing players that look great on YouTube utter trash on the field um but Hiroshi surprised a lot of people and i could see him like taking that spot too from Sveshnikov. there has been some question about whether michael rasmussen starts in detroit or not that i think would be the only scenario where Sveshnikov could get roster time i mean rasmussen basically had he's losing his spot though yeah and that's the thing i mean detroit's already spent a year of his elc so they've obviously got time invested in him at this point. I mm-hmm. mean, I can't see Svechnikov taking his spot from him. I mean, Rasmussen's got a full year of NHL time under his belt now. He's used to that sort of like scheduling. And I mean, just yep. strictly speaking, Rasmussen is a bigger player than Svechnikov, which if the Wings are trying to be a better overall team, they need another guy who can play the big body game like Mantha, which really Rasmussen's the only one on the team who can play it. Mm-hmm. So I don't really see where Svechnikov fits in this lineup at. He's just got to really impress out of camp. That's the thing. Yeah, unless he's truly a late bloomer. I mean, he was drafted four years ago in the first round now, guys, and that's, that's a long time in the NHL to wait for a first-round pick. I mean, usually... You expect a winger to be up maybe two years down the road, but Svechkov was drafted 19th overall four years ago, so it's it seems like this is truly his make-or-break time. Yep. Definitely seems like it's make-or-break for him. And, I mean, maybe uh, maybe Detroit will have some fun and trade him to Carolina. Maybe Carolina would be willing to pick him up. That would be kind of fun for them. That was um, like a big rumor in the draft two years ago where they were like, maybe Detroit trades up a little. And they trade Carolina um, Sveshnikov so he can be with his brother or stuff like that. No, it was last year's draft. But yeah, I, think, I mean, maybe. In some ways, it could kind of be like the new Sedin yep. brothers. I mean, Carolina, that'd be interesting for them just from a marketing technique as well. I mean, that's something you could sort of sell as like a, as like a gimmick. You know, the Svech- come watch the Sveshnikov bros. I mean, I'm not I mean, gonna lie. I've, I've always thought when the Hawks acquired Alex Nylander, I'm, I'm, I was thinking William Nylander. I'm like, is there, will they make a move for William Nylander? I mean, you see teams all the time uh, trade for siblings in the NHL or brothers, I guess specifically. I mean, a few. It was like seven years ago, but the Blackhawks actually traded for David Taze, who was Jonathan Taze's little brother, for like a third overall pick, and he never even seen sight of him. So, 
it's one of those cool things where like if it works out like the Sedins did, it's really cool to see. But uh, obviously, there's always just one brother that's su- superior to the other. So uh, it would be it would be fun though to see Svechikovs together. I think what would be really interesting for Carolina in that respect is, I mean, just looking at Carolina's team, it seems like they could definitely use another potential higher-end winger, which if Svechnikov really does bloom and is a late bloomer, he could be that for them. I mean, we saw flashes of like good play from him when he played in Detroit. I mean, now granted, they were trying to play him as more of like a shutdown player, which he definitely is not, but... Mm-hmm. I think if you put a good centerman between him, he could be one of those scoring wingers, not a top line player, but I could definitely see him as like a middle six guy. Can you think of anybody else right now, David, for the wings organization before we transfer over to the uh, Hawk side? Um, for me right now, I think it's Dennis Cholosky. Um, We're going to have some young D players kind of trying to work their way in. And he started off last year pretty strong and then kind of fizzled out in my opinion. But if he wants to stay, you know, in this D pairings that he's going to be in, because we're going to be constantly growing our D with um, Cider, who we just drafted, and other players that we drafted last year and this year, he, I think he needs to really have a really good camp, too, in my opinion, at least. The other player I forgot to mention was uh, Vili Sariarvi. He was the other one I was going to bring up, too. <laughs> it's it's kind of weird. I, I go to a couple of Griffins games every year, and... I can't figure out for the life of me why the Wings won't give him a shot at the pro mm-hmm. level. Like, I watch him in Grand Rapids, and he's not a defensive stud by any means, but I don't notice him making mistakes. And particularly when he power or quarterbacks of power play, like he seems like he's perfectly competent doing that. Like, it just seems weird that Detroit hasn't given him that chance yet. I think those two are probably the only two on defense who are like that. Just Chalowski and Sariarvi, just because. I mean, defensemen take longer to to adapt to the NHL, at least based on trends, but it seems like their time's starting to come where it's, hey, are you guys going to be here full-time or no? I mean, yeah. maybe we'll see it after this season when Daly, Green, and Erickson are all gone. Maybe they become the new decor for Detroit. Very true. we got to get rid of this old dead wood. Yeah, I don't think there's anybody else for the Wings organization. Nick, who would you say for the Hawks organization is sort of your guys' make-or-break prospect at the moment? So, not necessarily it's going to be out of camp, but I think he needs to show he has NHL talent, level talent. Uh, My guy would be Chad Christ. He was a 2016 second-round pick, draft pick, defenseman. And obviously the Blackhawks have this decor that they're just loading up with young guys like Ian Mitchell, Adam Boquist is along the way. They just drafted Alex Vlasic. And Chad Christ is one of those guys who was projected to be a top four defenseman, but we haven't seen anything seen anything from him yet. He obviously decided to stay in college for a few years, but that might hurt him. I mean, he was drafted high for a reason because they thought he was going to be, you know, a, a, a top six defenseman. But now with the way the Blackhawks have been drafting the last few years, there's a chance he might not even make the cut. So if he at least if somebody goes down, he could take over the like the Carl Dahlstrom role, role this year, or take over Slater Cuckoo's spot. So, but this is his time. He needs to show some impact either in the AHL and be be ready for the NHL, or if somebody goes down, he needs to fill a role. Otherwise, it's not going to work out for him with the Chicago Blackhawks. He uh, he played what was it Boston University, right? Yes. I was going to say like they, from what I can remember, they've got a pretty well known hockey program. I mean. 
them in Denver tend to be pretty prestigious schools in terms of like producing talented hockey players. It just seems weird that he hasn't made the cut yet. Sure, the Hawks, like every other prospect they have, I mean, they're, I would assume that they're giving him every tool that they can to see him succeed. And I mean, who's it? Uh, Yokoharu, he got traded. So, I mean, that's another player he's not fighting for a spot. Yeah, it's, it, it, they're getting rid of those younger, like with the Yokoharu tree, they got rid of the younger guy, but now they have. They traded for Dahan Mata, and then not to mention they already have Keith Seabrook, Murphy, Gustafson. So there's a, there's just so many roles being filled with our defense right now. I know it struggled last year, but they improved it this offseason. The Seattle draft's upcoming in two years, so I mean maybe that's his opening to find a way in the top six. But he needs to show it this year. Are there any uh, any other players that you think sort of need to be make or break wise? I no no one else. I mean, I guess Alex Nylander is the closest thing, but I think they're going to just give him any opportunity. We've talked about it a lot. He just already. traded him. Yeah. Yeah, I know. But like, they're going to give, they're going to be, it's going to be a long leash on Alex Nylander. Like, he needs to be absolutely terrible for it to not work out for him. But they're going to give him every chance to succeed. He's going to make the roster out of camp, obviously, with trading Yokoharu. So now it's just. That's really the only guy to keep an eye on whether or not if he's going to be in the NHL all year long. Basically, it sounds like it's it's going to be Nylander's spot to lose, if I'm understanding. Yes, it, it's without a doubt Nylander's spot to lose. Because, uh, I mean, I know they traded Anisimov for Zach Smith, but Zach Smith's not going to be playing every night. He's going to be a healthy scratch. So it's they're going to load up with as much talent as they can, and we know Nylander has a lot of talent. It's just putting it all together. So that's the only other guy that I would really consider make or break, but it's really there's really no break to Nylander. It's just if he's going to succeed or not. You've probably got a better look at him than me or David have. Assuming Chicago has injuries on defense this year, do you think that he might be fighting Boquist for a call-ups this year? Because, I mean, Adam Boquist did look pretty good in camp if he's not on the roster this year. Yeah, Boquist. I if there's a if there's a guy that goes down, Boquist would be the number one guy they're gonna give a shot to. Stan Bowman has pledged that he wants to see him in the professional level, whether it's the AHL or NHL. I think he'll start in the AHL with just based off of the decor that we have right now. But Boquist will be the guy number one call, and he's gonna have his chance to flourish, and hopefully we do see him thrive. If that's the only player for the Hawks, we'll go ahead and move on to our next segment. Um, there's a video posted. I believe by the NHL of Mike Green doing a drill with uh, Jordan, I believe, basically just skating drills. Um, a lot of people don't really think anything of it, but Mike Green has had some pretty decent health problems the past few years in terms of staying healthy enough to play. Um, what, was, what was it, David? Was it two years ago he had the neck injury? Which player again? Sorry. Was it two years ago he had the neck injury where they were going to try to, uh, nobody would bite on him for the uh, playoff run? I think it was two years ago. My green neck injury. I believe it was two years ago. Yes, I remember Wings Red was all up in arms. March of twenty March of twenty eighteen, so that was March of last year then. Videos of him actually doing like skating drills surface, so hopefully this year he's gonna be healthy enough to play for Detroit and play full time. And maybe Um, if he's playing well and we're not doing well, we can trade him at the deadline. That's the other thing, like I mean, I think if nothing else, Detroit's not going to re-sign him again. I just I can't see them wanting to do it again. They just at this point. Now that we have um, Iserman and not Ken, I like old people Holland. Um, I feel like we'll, we'll be we'll be good. 
Eisman specifically said he wants to embrace the youth movement, and I can't see Mike Green coming back after his current contract is up. But just the fact that he's potentially going to be healthy this year, I think, is good for Detroit. I mean, hopefully he gets the chance to mentor these kids before he retires, not retires necessarily, but leaves your organization. I could definitely see him being a good mentor for Heronic, somebody who has the potential to take his place as a top, well, I mean, for Detroit anyway, a top-line defenseman. Granted, I think in just about any other roster, Mike Green is a top-four guy, but for Detroit, he's a top pair. So just the fact that somebody like that could be mentoring Heronic and teaching him the ropes I think is definitely a plus. Yeah, I mm-hmm. think that's what Mike Green's role is basically going to be going forward for this season. Uh, we, let's not forget, when he was on the Capitals, he was a stud. He was... Without a doubt, one of the best defensemen in the league at the time. So, not, I mean, he has all that mental, like, he has that in his brain. He has that knowledge of what to do to be a good D man. Obviously, with the age and the injuries catching up to him, it's not, he can't perform like it on the ice, but he knows what to do. He had, what was it, 21 goals that one season? Uh, yeah, it was, it was above 20. I know that. If you can even transfer some of that to a young defensive core, that's definitely something worth doing. Yeah, I don't think there's really much else to talk about. Just that was a quick note. Um, something a little bit more controversial, though. Uh, Nick, you brought this to my attention. Apparently, there was a, a little segment on the NHL Network where uh, somebody made some some predictions that the Blackhawks won't have another chance at the Cup with Kane and Taves on their roster. Um, I I think those two still have a decent amount of gas in the tank. Seems kind of premature to me. Um, just what's your general opinion on it? Yeah, that it pissed me off. I'm not gonna lie, it pissed me off. I mean, you have I, right now for what we can count, we have three for sure Hall of Fame players with Kane, Keith, and Taves. Not Corey Crawford could be in the Hall of Fame, which I think he will be. Seabrook up in the air, but still that. No, so you have four to five potential Hall of Fame players on the team. How, how do you not think like? They're, and they're still studs. Kane, Kane and Taves are still studs. How do you not think they're gonna take this young core that they're building right now? And win a Stanley Cup, they have they have eight years of playing left Kane and Taze. In eight years, I can see the Hawks win at least one more cup. You got Alex Dabrinkit coming along, being an NHL superstar. Dylan Strome finding his groove with the Chicago Blackhawks. And then bringing along pieces like Andrew Shaw, Robin Letter. I mean, they just need to make the playoffs and then anything can happen. And this roster will make the playoffs this year. I'm not saying they're going to win the Stanley Cup this year. But with, with guys like they're adding, they're bringing out a winning mentality team guys that know how to win and guys that proven they could win so there's just it, it's kind of just a wild statement it's bananas like why would you make assumptions for teams that have like that you know are developing and then Kurt you got a guy like Kirby Doc coming up too so in I could see the Hawks win another one four to five years and it's just crazy that they're already counting out the Hawks for the next decade basically so you brought up you know they're got a whole new core eventually coming through I mean We've seen it before where older players, they get younger players around them. And that electricity, you know, playing at the pro level when you're young, I mean, that can be infectious. I mean, we see it all the time where older guys get younger players to play with and their production goes up. I mean, if you want to tell me, you know, Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves aren't excited to watch a kid like Kirby Jock who's got the potential to be a replacement for, you know, somebody like them on the roster. I mean, I think you'd be mistaken. I mean, look at young players. Those older guys, it's kind of exciting for them because it's like, hey, this guy's going to be my successor. Like, let me teach him everything I know. Yeah, I mean, just I mean, I'm sure their their play is going to diminish over the years. But like you said, uh, 
Jordan, they're they're still gonna thrive off these younger guys. I mean, sure, Kane and Taze won't be able to carry these guys in a few years, but those younger guys will be carrying them. I mean, you see Joe Pavelski still chugging along in the NHL right now. He he's getting up there in age 35, 36 right now. Came off a career year of goals, so he's and he's he was playing with younger guys on the Sharks, and the Sharks made it to the Western Conference Finals. So all the Blackhawks need to do going forward is make the playoffs. Kane and Taves know how to dominate in the playoffs and then just have some of these young guys step up in big roles. And I think that's very possible. I don't think it's impossible for the Blackhawks to win one, maybe even two Stanley Cups in the next decade. Two might be a little bit ambitious, but I still definitely think they're going to be a contender until Kane and Taves right off into the sunset. I mean, there's no doubt those two are one of the most dynamic one-two punches in the league. I mean, when you say one-two punch, like, who are the guys you think about? You think about Crosby Malkin, Stamkos Kucherov, Drysaddle and McDavid, or, uh, Drysaddle and McDavid, and Kane and Taves. I mean, those are your one-two punches in the league. And I don't really see how all of a sudden they just disappeared. Yeah, I mean, they brought, they single-handedly brought hockey relevant to Chicago again. Like, hockey was so irrelevant to Chicago for a very long time as all these Blackhawks fans know and they're the face of I mean they were the face of the NHL for a few years they were on the cover of, well they were supposed to be on the cover of NHL uh what was that 15 15 they were 15. on uh, who's it uh, Taves was on the cover of 16 I think yeah it, Kane was supposed to be on it then those then that con- then that lawsuit came out so but yeah I mean they were the face of the NHL for many years and they're still here they're sure they're on the wrong side of 30 now but they're still going to perform they're still going to be superstars for at least three to five more years so let's not count out the blackhawks yet i i think it's just a disgrace that they're even saying the blackhawks are already done i think it's a mistake to count out a team out of playoff contention when they haven't even played one preseason game yet this year the other news on the hawks front is they picked up defenseman philip holm am i saying that correct yeah philip holm so uh yeah. russia Yep, out of Russia. He was a KHL All-Star this year. So it's, uh, and he had, let me look up real quick. I think he had like, I want to say seven to eight goals, which is pretty good for a defenseman. I mean, so a KHL All-Star, which is, it's going to be a depth signing. He's probably going to crack the AHL roster. Um, So yeah, he's, if we talked about it with Chad Christ, if one of these D-men go down the NHL, Slater Cuckoo, Carl Dahlstrom, Philip Holm will be given a chance. He's a depth signing. He's a guy that knows how to play with the professionals. KHL All-Star, which is not a terrible league. It's actually the second best league in the world. So, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that it doesn't hurt you, so why not do it? His team struggled with defense all year last year, so keep adding defensive pieces. If it works out, then it's a low-cost, high-reward signing. Um, We'll go ahead and transition out of the Hawks and the uh, Wings content for this week we'll move on to news around the outside of the nhl so uh, the first story we're going to be talking about and from just to clarify not an official statement but just i guess the rumor mill going around outside is that uh jesse pulley i guess his problems with the oilers organization stemmed farther than just from management um it seems like you know at least when you read in the news it's more of he's had problems with management but I was reading an article, I believe it was earlier today, where somebody got the chance to interview one of his former teammates, and they said that he just had problems with players on the ice in terms of doing, for example, what they had went over in practice, like power play setups, 
where everybody's going to be at. Just one of those guys who didn't really want to follow the plan and made it hard to play with. Um, I think this is really interesting. I mean, in some ways, if this is true, it can kind of show you that as much as, you know, a player might have talent, teams also have to look at realistically, is this person somebody who's going to fit our culture for our organization? And are they a player that we can work with? I think sometimes people forget about the fact that these kids who get drafted, they're real people. They're people who have personality flaws, just like every one of us does. And just to see this sort of angle on this story, I thought was really interesting. You don't see people talk about stuff like this very often. Yeah, it's just a weird scenario. I mean, Pulley RV was a top 10 pick just a few years ago. And it seems like it's just drama after drama with this kid. I mean, he hasn't been given the right chance to crack an NHL roster yet, or the Edmonton Oilers, I should say. But, yeah, I mean, now it's, it was a management thing at first, and now all of a sudden it's a, a player issue. Like, he, it, it could be his character. It could be anything. And, I mean, it, it's it's a weird situation because a top 10 pick is supposed to be the face of your franchise going forward. And it mm-hmm. seems like they're, Edmonton just wants to drive him out at this point. Like they, They're looking for trade partners. They're making all these complaints about him, but they're only hurting themselves by coming out with these bad comments and not being able to unload him. I think it's even weirder because I believe it was Ken Holland came out and said, you know, he's not going to sell the kid for pennies on the dollar. Like, I don't know, it just seems like they're digging themselves into a bigger and bigger hole with this kid. And I mean, he's, yeah, he was a top five pick, actually. And it's just, it's not about the money is what it sounds like. I think he just wants to go somewhere else. But to the to the team and the management, yes, it's about money because this is, you know, someone they wanted to be a face of their franchise. And if he has character issues, you want to get rid of him, but you also don't want to damage your team's future. And Edmonton has done that enough already. So, <laughs> true. Very true. Nyok, see Nyok. Did you guys see the uh, that fake news story that came out this week? Somebody wrote like it's just like I think a three or four page conspiracy article talking about how uh, the NHL wanted a team to be like the hated team. So what they did was they purposely told Peter Shirley to start trading away and ruining uh, number one draft picks. <laughs> Peter Shirley, man, every time that name comes up, I just think of. Like you, you just can't help to think about all the bad trades he's made in his, in his terms as GM. But yeah, I just I thought that was a really interesting article. We don't see stuff like that very often, you know. Normally, when players get interviewed, they say, "Oh yeah, he was a great guy to play with, and everything was great, just didn't fit the organization." But just to see somebody willing to to you know shed some truth on something that they saw. Hockey isn't usually a sport where players are allowed to have personality and. To see somebody find the dude, I just thought was really interesting. Yeah, I mean, even Rafi Torres got some kind of good reputation in the league. I mean, I know he was a hated around the league, but there was players that stuck up for him. And it seems like nobody's coming to Jesse Pulley-Army's side, which is, yeah, in a, in a league like the NHL, where really you don't see that often, this is uh, an interesting scenario going down in Edmonton. Or going mm-hmm. up, I guess they're up now. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we'll go ahead and uh, move on to our last topic for the night. So, the NHL ended up releasing their list of the top 20 wingers in the league right now. Um, Nikita Kucherov, number one, and then uh, Patrick Kane, number two, which we were just talking about. I'm not sure how you count out the number two winger in the franchise from the play or from the Stanley Cup, but okay. Yeah, you know, NHL Network's going to do whatever they want, I guess. I think 
important for Wings fans to know, I don't believe there were any uh, Red Wings in the top 20 list, so... There aren't. I just went through it. S- sad face emojis. Give I'll it a few around. years. Give There's it a, a couple years. guys I could, I could throw in there. Philip Zidane will be our guy who gets into the top 20. When he's when he's filling the back of people's nets. He's filling their nets with pucks. So I think that's the closest thing that we'll have in a couple of years, but it's still, I think, a little bit down the road. But yeah, I think it was an interesting list. I mean, you see a lot of the typical names. I mean, Kucherov, Kane, Ovechkin, um, X Blackhawk, now New York Ranger, Artemi Panarin was on the list. Um, mm-hmm. We were just talking about Edmonton. Leandro Isaddle's on the list at number six. So a lot of the usual suspects that you would expect on this list. Um, I don't think I saw anybody on the list who I thought was a real shock to me. Um, I have a shock of not making the list. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised Tarasenko's so low. That, that one's an interesting one for sure. What is he, like 14th or something? Yeah, he's 14th, and he's one of two players that have at least 30 goals in the past five seasons. It's definitely interesting. Uh, uh, the only complaint I really have, uh, Kane at number two, Kane and Kucherov, you could honestly just flip a coin. So that I, there's really no complaint there. But Alex Dabrinkit being off the list, I also think I, I went off last week about Taves not making the list. Alex Dabrinkit not being on the list, it, it it's just mind-boggling. He had 41 goals last year. He's he, he is the one of the most premier young players just lighting the lamp off every night and just leaving off a top 20 as I'm a top 20 winger it blows my mind just because he every night it seems like he's scoring a goal and just I don't think he's getting enough respect yeah, I think something that's kind of interesting is uh they have Phil Kessel down here at 20. He had I believe it was 27 goals last year, 55 assists. Okay, so let's see, that'd be, what, 70? No, 82 points. 82 points. Point so, a I mean, game. Yeah, that's a point a game. It's, just, it's kind of interesting how guys like him will make it, but these younger kids who haven't even hit their prime yet are, are left off the list. Like, I mean, if Andreas Athanasiu, for example, rounds out his game, I think he could make this list. I mean, he put up 30 <laughs> goals last season. That he makes good. really interesting, just like, electric electrifying plays. I mean... He's got if, so much speed. He's so fun to watch. And if Mantha and Bertuzzi and Rasmussen can kind of find their grooves, I could see them making it too. Matthew Kachuk kind of surprised me for making the list. He did. Yeah, I, know he, I, I, know it's, I know he's a great young player, but him making the list at 17, I mean, it's not high, but still in the top 20 for a guy who finally had a breakout year last year with 77 points. Previously, mm-hmm. he only had 49 and 48. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it, it just goes back to my Debrinket not making it. I guess I'm a little butthurt. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, it's just frustrating to see a guy like Kachuk, who finally had one breakout year compared to Debrinket, who was a, almost a 30-goal scorer his rookie year and then netted 40 last year. Just boggles my mind a little bit. Yeah, overall, I thought it was an R8 list for the most part. I mean, I don't think there were any really questionable names on the list, but just a lot of the typical well, typical names filled the the top ten. I mean, like you know, we mentioned Kucherov, Kane, Ovechkin, uh, Brad Marchand taking fourth. I thought that was kind of interesting, um, but just a lot of names that you would expect on this list. And like we said, nobody from Detroit, so sad face. But I mean, hopefully it think, happens think, in the future. I think Mark Stone at thirteen is criminally low. I think he should be. I think Mark Stone. I mean, he he played in Ottawa for half of last year, and 
Uh, yeah, I think he should be. I would consider Mark Stone a top ten winger. Just with his two way game, I I would have him over Brad Marchand. Maybe not think, the top, not top five, but Brad Marchand should not be that much ahead of Mark Stone. Think like the other thing to think about with Marchand is, I mean, that guy's playing with Patrice Bergeron, like he, and Pasternak. Yeah, I mean, you can't tell me that some of their skills not rubbing off on him. Like Mark Stone. Not to put down the Ottawa organization, but he wasn't exactly stapled to franchise and superstar level talent. It's okay to put down Ottawa. They put down themselves. So Mark Stone's Golden Knights. Yeah. Oh, and Golden Knights. Okay. He started with the Senators. My bad. Yeah. And Claude Giroux. He's a prick. <laughs> it's good to see Hubert get some respect though. He's always been a great player. I mean, top twenty. He's definitely a top twenty winger. I think he's finally. Getting acknowledged now that Florida is kind of one of those teams on the up and up. So having him at 16, I can't say anything bad about Landis Cog. Also agree, Line A, rough year last year, but still think he's a top 20 player. Uh, only one I really have any issue with is Kachuk. Other than that, I, I think everyone on the list kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. Hit also has anything else to add to this list, we can go ahead and move on. Well, the past weeks we've kind of had a, uh, a discussion topic where we talk about each team. And just something about him. We kind of talked about the uh, prospect uh, breaker, breaker bust. bust this week. So, I mean, that could kind of fill that spot. Um, does anybody have an idea that they want to do for this week? Maybe instead of breaker bust, a prospect that we think could surprise us. That'll be an interesting one. David, you you suggested the idea. Who is it that you think is going to surprise? Oh, gosh. Um, for me, I... I think it's Rasmussen. I think Rasmussen um, was starting to show a little bit last year, and I think I think he could have a slow start this year. But I think once he kind of gets the gears moving, he's he could turn out to be like what we want Mantha to be, like this just power forward that can just put it in the back of the net. A kind of like a Thomas Holstrom type player. Yep. And, oh God, I miss Holmstrom so much. <laughs> I could see him doing that, and I think. Bertuzzi does that pretty well, too, with his grittiness and being in front of the goal. But I think Rasmussen is the player that should be doing that. And I think he's going to find his groove this year and really wow a lot of people and really earn his place in the roster. I can't remember. Has he been training in Detroit with uh, like Larkin and Smith and those guys? Because, I mean, I remember reading a couple weeks ago that those guys were all training in uh, Detroit this summer. I think he was. Um, I'm not seeing anything about it, but I'm pretty sure he was. I think him and Larkin were together a lot. Hopefully he does. I can't see why he wouldn't. What about you, Jordan? Oh, my goodness. Players who I think are going to surprise. Um, as much as I would like to say Zadina or Valeno, I think everybody's pretty much expecting those two to make the roster or tr- going to try to knock on the door in camp. Mm-hmm. Um I think the roster or the player that I think is going to surprise a lot of people might actually be uh, Giovanni Smith. And oh, really, I know a lot of people have criticized his play in the past, but he seems like one of those players who he's willing to do whatever it takes to make that jump to the next level. For example, I mean, he was one of the first players to like start training in Detroit with guys like Larkin, and on top of that, he just. He has this sense of just like grit and willing to play the boards that I haven't seen in a long time in Detroit's organization. I mean, Abdulkader was supposed to be that guy, but it, he just didn't pan out, I think, the way that management wanted him to. And I think Giovanni Smith, I mean, he's played with Grand Rapids, so he's got experience down at the pro level. 
I'd like to see big things from him because, I mean, Detroit could definitely use another big power forward or somebody who can play the boards on their roster. I mean, they're kind of getting to the spot where they're going to have a very good balanced roster with skill guys who can be like goal scorers like Athanasiu, uh, Zadina potentially, even maybe Svechnikov if he can make this roster. Um, if Detroit can find a way to move Abdelkader's contract, I think they could potentially use Rasmussen and Smith as like their power forwards or just their board guys, and then just let players like Bertuzzi, who aren't, I guess, necessarily the biggest players, just play like an annoying style game of like keep away and just constantly chasing pucks. So I think if the pieces move right, he's got a place on this organization if he puts in the work mm -hmm. i've always wanted him to come good i really like him he he's got the potential to be very good and i like his sort of never back down attitude he's not afraid to get into it with another player which is good he's not afraid of anybody i mean i like seeing that in a player so he, he's my pick i'd like to see him flourish it's a very good pick what about you nick who from the the hawks prospect pool do you think is going to surprise people yeah so uh this year i think the prospect that a lot of hawks fans are going to start realizing they're going to be banging the drum for him i think it's philip kurashev he kind of had a great world juniors uh this past year he had six goals and one assist in seven games so seven points basically almost a goal a game he's a pure goal scorer he's all over the ice he knows where to be in the offensive zone and i think we're going to see we're going to see him in the ahl this year if he performs anywhere near the level of anything or like an NHL talent, we could see him up maybe this year, if not the start of next year. I just think there's so much talent in this guy as for a third round pick. I think you'll see him light the lamp a lot in the AHL. And Kershev's going to be an interesting prospect to watch these next few years or next season, I should say. And yeah, a lot of fans are going to start recognizing that name soon. If you had a comparable in the uh, league, who would you say is comparable is? Comparable for Kurashev. That's a good one. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I just watch him. I mean, the only time I really got to watch him was in the World Juniors, just because I obviously didn't get to watch him in the Canadian Hockey League. So uh, if I had to throw something at him, I would say... Uh, that's tough. Can't think of anybody. That's all right. I was just curious if you had anybody in I mind. I mean, I know I, I have some. I, it's it's a bizarre name to throw out there just because of his talent, but the way he plays the same forward, same style. I would say Kuznetsov. Obviously, nowhere near as good as him, but he has the skills to be a dynamic forward. Uh, if he can figure out his inconsistency issues, they have a steal with that third round pick. So, uh, yeah, he won't produce as near as much as Kuznetsov. Obviously, he was a superstar in the league, but. You could see him be a pretty good top nine forward. A top nine forward for a third round draft pick isn't bad. No, not at all. But I'll wrap it up for this episode if nobody has anything else to add. Nope. Um, I think that's a pretty good episode. So we'll go ahead and wrap up tonight's episode. As always, we'd like to thank you guys for tuning in and listening to this podcast. Uh, if you'd like to leave any sort of like fan mail or if you have topics that you'd like us to discuss on this podcast, you can always send us an email. The email for that is stickbladepodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at twitter.com slash stickbladepod. And then you can also find us, which is, I'm going to assume you found this podcast on SoundCloud. Go ahead and give us a follow there as well. And uh, to everybody out there, I'm just going to say it. Let's just start a viral movement. Contact the Minnesota Wild organization 
and just keep pushing my name forward. You know, let's let's get this going. Make me the new GM. I played NHL. I know how to work a team. <laughs> Somebody make the phone call. But really, though, we would like to thank you all for listening. I mean, I enjoy doing this podcast and definitely something fun that we do. And I hope we all or that you all enjoy it as well. So with that being said, we'll go ahead and just wrap this sucker up and call it a night. Have a good evening. Until next time, Stick Blade Podcast. Love you guys.